Uh, good morning. Um, I'm going to use everything I can this morning to uh, move in the way of illustrations. And um, first off, I want to say uh, thank you again for coming. If, if you weren't in the meeting last night uh, when we did the welcome, thank you for being here. We really value your uh, uh, part with the ministry, and we're trusting again for a good weekend. Wanted to sing that song. I, I'm not musical at all, but uh, and so I get lost in it. And if anyone around me singing the wrong way or the wrong line, I just kind of follow them. Um, but uh, you know, I thought it's a good illustration. I was asking my wife uh, about it, about singing it. She goes, "You want to sing that one? I mean, that was like the worst one we sang." And I said, "Well, um, it kind of helps make a point that we read the Word of God and we know the Word of God." But we need to grapple with it, and we need to keep coming back to it, and back to it, and back to it. Last night, Don, let me just make sure, is Don in here? Because he's not here this morning yet, okay. But he, he referred to Psalm 16, verse 8, I've set the Lord always before me. And, and interestingly, yesterday, I think it was in my class, my, my uh, first year class, I mentioned, you know, you need some go-to verses when things are difficult and things are hard. And that's mine, that's one of them anyway. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And it's a calming verse for my soul, for my heart. And uh, yet, I mean, there's such a depth to it. We need to grapple with the word of God. So I thought, oh, that's a good illustration. Secondly, it's raining, it's thundering. So, hey, if it just adds to the drama, you know, of of the meeting. Um, We're going to be going through Psalm 13, as you can see, uh, in a moment. Um, But uh, just wanted to mention that, and then I do have a couple of announcements. Let me see, I wrote them down somewhere. Here we go. Um, I'm not going to go through the schedule until after the second meeting to what we call the RC, or the Retreat Center. And uh, there, there's coffee, there's cookies, um, and uh, there's nice couches to sit on if you can get one. Um, And uh, you're welcome to go there. It's supposed to stop raining about 10, maybe 11. And I, I was told it's supposed to get to like 80 degrees later today. So uh, the weather definitely should improve, and then hopefully you can enjoy the grounds. But I, I remember some years ago, maybe three, four, five, six, I don't know. They just kind of fade. But it was Friday night, and it was pouring with rain. I mean, I mean... It, you know, you know those. You, sometimes you get those really strong thunderstorms. I was just poor, and we were soaked. I thought, oh wow, what a way to start the the conference. Everyone was in here just wet, and uh, um, and I think it rained most of the weekend. So um, we just trust the Lord for the weather. And uh, again, mentioning that the schedule is not full, so that you can get alone with the Lord. We heard much about that last night, and so that's part of the reason behind that. You're welcome to uh, go up to the dining room if you want to spend time up there. And uh, again, I mentioned the library. Uh, that's next to the RC, the retreat center. You can go in there and, and look at the books and uh, sit and uh, so on. So just enjoy the campus. Hopefully when it does stop raining, you can go outside. And the prayer chapel is up, up the hill. We really highly recommend you go up there <clears throat> as well. Lastly, I want to mention regarding uh, Michael Garreau, many of you know him, and he actually was supposed to be speaking this morning, um, but he is in a lot of pain. He has a pinched nerve and uh, in his neck. He's on medication. I, I was texting him this morning, and he 
um, still is in a lot of pain. It's a little less than, than it was, but he's still in a lot of pain, and the doctors told him to keep still uh, and, uh, you know, n- not do anything. And so that's really hard for him, and he again said to me this morning, I feel so bad I'm not there. And I said, well, of course, that's normal, but um, you are where the Lord wants you to be, and so I'm going to pray for him in a moment. But we really need the Lord to strengthen him and heal him, um, of course, he plays such a, a vital role here. But right now, the doctors told him to rest and be still. And that's probably harder than being here, you know, not being here. So I know that's difficult for him. So um, I'm stepping into uh, this spot this morning. And I'm going to do a shorter devotional. And then just to let you know, would like to spend a little bit of time in prayer. But with somebody else this morning. So last night we were on our own. I'd like us to spend a little bit of time this morning together, uh, one by uh, two by two, um, and uh, in prayer toward the end. All right. I think that's what I want to say there. Um, I know that uh, a good number of you are staying on campus, and I, I always tell people probably your first night's not the greatest sleep, so... Um, you know, sometimes that's difficult, isn't it? And you don't get a great uh, rest, but I trust that you'll have a good day and uh, tonight you'll sleep better. Um, so anyway, we're super happy to have you. And I want to start off with a, a story, I guess, um, that I found helpful. Sometimes uh, it's good just to <clears throat> see uh, the funny side of things. I know Jerry White, he was very... Um, and many of you know it, he's very serious, very um, concerned with the, the glory of God. But boy, I mean, I'm just saying, he could tell a good joke. Um, and uh, he had a hearty laugh as well. Uh, I worked with an <clears throat> Australian pastor for years overseas, and he had a hearty laugh about things. And so um, I, I just want to read this to you. I'm, I'm not very good at telling jokes as per jokes, but I also want to read this uh, about a teacher, a school teacher. I don't know when this was or who it is. I read it and I just started laughing. I thought, oh, this is great. And it kind of does play a little bit into the psalm. Not much, but a little bit. So a school, school teacher, just before um, school began again, I guess in July or so, he injured his back and he had to wear this plaster cast around the upper part of his body. So he got on. It wasn't a super thick one, but it was enough that he could get a shirt on, and uh, you wouldn't really even know that it was there. It wasn't noticeable at all. And so on the first day of school, he came in, and he still had this cast on, and uh, it was under his shirt. And uh, he was given his assignment, and uh, he noted that he had one of the toughest students in the school. And he thought to himself, boy, this is going to be a tough year. So he set himself and he uh, walked into the classroom real confidently. Classroom was like, you know, talking and this and that. Uh, He went and he opened the window. Um, I don't know. It doesn't say whether they had AC or not. But anyway, he opened up the window and uh, let the air in. And everyone's looking at him, see what he's going to do. And he walked back to his desk. And as he did so, uh, a strong wind kind of blew through the, the classroom. And his tie just kind of flipped up like that and started flipping up and everyone was looking at him and he grabbed hold of his tie and he picked up the desk stapler and he went and the tie just stuck there 
And all the students were like. <laughs> so they didn't know he had this plaster cast underneath. And he had no problem with anybody or term. So I'm going to take my tie off. Oh, no, I can't take it off. I got the wire. Anyway. But, um, you know, sometimes I know my wife and I, you know, as we go through life, sometimes you just got to laugh. You know, you just got to, um, yeah, otherwise you cry. You know, um, so I just wanted to share that with you. I thought that really struck me. I thought, oh, wow, what a moment. Um, and uh, anyway, let's pray. Father, we come and commit ourselves to you this morning. We thank you. Lord, you are always so faithful, so good to us. We thank you what we heard last night, just the great challenge of knowing your presence. Oh Lord, you are patient, you are kind. Oh Lord, you have your steadfast love toward us. And I pray just in this short devotional, as we look at some of David's thoughts and uh, some of David's setting of his heart toward you, that you would encourage us along the way. And Lord, we commit our time into your good hands in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to um, do a quick recap. I, I was quite struck by uh, what Don shared last night, so um, I wrote this up this morning, and I thought maybe I could read through it, because it really does help us with what we want to think about today. So a review of last evening. This may not be perfectly what you wrote down, but this is what I wrote down, because he said it fairly quickly, and I'm like, what did he say? Um, so this is what I got. Number one, uh, well, the title, The Lord is in this place, Genesis 28, and speaking of Jacob, and I thought that was, that was helpful, that was good. Uh, he was conscious that the Lord was there. This past December, I got to go with, to um, Israel with my son Michael as part of his seminary um, classes, and uh, at certain times as we traveled around, uh, we came to certain areas and uh, the, the seminary teacher who was leading the, the tour would teach these Bible lessons. I mean, it was incredible over the two weeks. And there were certain times we, we were in places and basically the Lord was there. And I, I, you know, we had a fairly large group of seminary students, but I thought to myself, wow, the Lord, like according to the word of God, was right yeah, that's amazing to me. So when I heard this last night, um, I thought to myself, yes, the Lord is in this place and uh, the manifest presence of God was there. That's incredible. And then he challenged us through the evening to think uh, um, of these areas. Um, you can live your whole life as a Christian without knowing the presence of the Father. And we understand what he meant by that. Um, that, that close presence, that, that intimate presence. Um, and I thought that was, that was a good, really good point. Uh, secondly, the Father wants to awaken you in regards to His presence. He wants you to know His presence. He wants you to know His, his close presence. I often, with the students, speak of God being um, majestic and high and lifted up, but also intimate and close. Uh, and there's a balance there, and we will look at that a little bit in a while. Thirdly, you will be transformed, and you will be affected by his presence. Now, I don't know if I got that quite right. You might have some other words, but that's what I remember. You, you will be, if you are in his presence. You have to be transformed and affected, and he went through that. And that's good to remind ourselves this morning. Fourthly, 
from James, he says, he promises to draw near if you will draw near to him. And uh, again, we see the, the great promise there, drawing near to God, knowing God, and uh, he is not slow to draw near to us. And that really echoes all the way through the prophets, right? All these prophets would speak of that. Um, return to me and I will return to you. Uh, God is, is not far off, but um, we have walked away. We have sin that we are not willing to deal with and so on and so on. So I just wanted to recap that and have that before us this morning as we go, because we're going to speak about David and this song of faith. It really is a song, Psalm 13, um, this morning. So um, if you can turn in your Bible to Psalm 13, and let's see, Phil, I always call on you in class, so would you be willing to stand up and read it for us? Okay, so Phil's going to read, it's just six verses, um, and... uh, as we get into it, you'll see it breaks into three sections. One and two, three and four, five and six. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. So that's the ESV. Now I know that we do have others of you have different Bibles, um, and so we'll we'll uh, touch on some of the different translations. It's good to read different translations. That's the ESV. That's the translation I'm going to use as we go. Uh, but I'm also going to quote through the NIV and the NLT as well um, this morning. So um, what I want to do first off is just do a real quick background to Psalm 13. Uh, I'll just read what's up there. You can follow with me. You, you, you know it's not far from your mind of what's going on here. David's on the run from Saul. So it seems as if this is uh, the second half of 1 Samuel. That's what most commentators would see here. Um, and there were times when um, he, in that fleeing, and I'm not going to go and read that passage, 1 Samuel 20, he would confess there is but a step between me and death. I mean, he, he went through some great trials as Saul hunted him down. Um, I think sometimes we don't see the, the, um, the dangers that David was in, but uh, many of these psalms that he writes come out of that experience, and there are some... Uh, times when he speaks much of the possibility of death. So again, that's some of the background. Another thing that would be probably on his mind was Saul was clearly doing evil things and God wasn't judging him. God wasn't dealing with Saul. And yet, on the other hand, David was doing good things. He was waiting. He'd been anointed to be king, but he was waiting. He wouldn't touch the Lord's anointed. David was doing good things, yet he In this psalm particularly, and in others, he felt abandoned by the Lord. So, and I'm sure you can relate to that. I mean, you're doing the best that you can. You're trying to do good things, and people around you are doing evil things, and God's not dealing with them, and and where's the Lord? Um, Thirdly, 
regarding background. Questioning, complaining seem to dominate David at this point. He asks the question, how long? How long? How long? Four times in the first two verses. How long? How long? Oh, Lord. To David, with these kind of questions, perhaps he's tempted to think God is indifferent. God is idle and he's of no help. He's not concerned. Um, And you reference that to what we heard last night. God is a father and he wants wants you to draw close to him. This struggle for David, um, where is God? He seems indifferent. He seems silent, idle. I'm sure you can relate to some of that. So that's some of the background. The outline I'm going to work through simply is this, verse 1 and 2. The inward struggle, and David shares his feelings uh, to the Lord. Remember, this is a song. It's also a prayer. And he shares his feelings um, quite openly with the Lord, um, this inward struggle. Secondly, verses 3 and 4, we see this um, emphasis on his foes. That would be Saul, most likely, and the men that were working with Saul. There's definitely an outward danger, an outside danger. They're pursuing his life. They want to kill him. Um, And then thirdly, five and six, we we see the whole psalm. If you look at verse five, it starts with the word but. There's this whole change from fear to faith. There's this upward look, and we'll get there. And uh, we see David's faith, and it's as if I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right. He remembers who the Lord is again. Not that he's forgotten But he's been overwhelmed by his circumstances and his struggles and his dangers. And I think we can all relate to that. Um, So it's not a complicated psalm, but uh, it's interesting to follow um, through it and see what the Lord is doing. Then I also want to just kind of do a quick overview and just kind of walk through it fairly quickly. Verses 1 and 2, you could sum it up. In honesty, he complains. He does complain. Things are hard. Things are difficult. Um... And when things get hard and things get difficult for you and I, we tend to complain and moan and groan. And why? Where are you, Lord? How long is this going to go on? I mean, that's, you know, our nature, our selfishness, uh, you know, that comes. um, That's supposed to be weakness, not weakness. But he knows our weakness, though. That's, That's what we need to come from that he knows he hears david complaining he hears david ask these questions and the the um what you might say god's perhaps response or god's knowledge he knows he knows that we're weak three and four in earnestness he prays he begins to pray and and he's asking the lord and and uh fear and doubt though absolutely dominate verses three and four and then Five and six, as I mentioned, his faith comes to the forefront again. In an assurance, he praises. This song is completed as he ends with the Lord. And there's that drawing near uh, to the Lord. You could look at the psalm that way. Okay. So let's just look at this first two. And again, I just jotted down some some thoughts and and we can talk through it quickly. Uh, I'm going to read verses one and two again. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? These are questions. How long must I take counsel in my own soul? Or another way to put it is wrestle with my thoughts. Do you ever wrestle with your thoughts? And you just kind of get like, where's the Lord? What is he doing? And then we 
okay, I know the Lord's working this out for good. And then we wrestle with them again. And we, you know, that's the, the picture here. How long, he says, must I take um, counsel with my, in my soul and, how, and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Day after day, that, that means. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me, the uh, ESV says. Or the New Living Translation would say, have the upper hand. I like that. It's helpful language as well. So these are the verses and uh, some things to think about in the little section here. And it is an inward struggle. It is to do with his feelings. He's telling the Lord. The question, how long, is asked four times in these verses. Have you ever asked the Lord, how long? How long, Lord? We heard last night, God dwells in eternity. We dwell in time and space, right? How long, O Lord? We can become impatient. Maybe not with the Lord, but with the situation and the circumstance. Then some other ways in verse 1. Forget me or hide your face. Uh, NLT says, New Living Translation. Look, look the other way. God, is God indifferent? Does God not care? Is God uninterested in my plight, my great difficulty? We ask ourselves these kind of questions. Verse 2. Counsel in my soul, as I mentioned earlier, the NLT says, wrestle with my thoughts. I I like that description. I'm sure we all wrestle at times with our thoughts. We run them over and over. We think we've pinned them down, right? If you know wrestling, we think we've pinned, and then up they, you were just like, oh, oh Lord, how long? And uh, this struggle is there for sure. Sorrow in my heart all the day. Grief in my heart, the New American Standard says. The NLT uses the word every day. So it's not just the whole day, it's tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Um, Perhaps I have this struggle, I have this difficulty, I have this foe, I have this um, circumstance that is overwhelming. Where is the Lord? Years ago, there was a a man who uh, had no relatives, never married, but he had this very um, good business, this uh, book business, and he wanted to leave it and hand it over to someone, but he just didn't want to hand it over to anyone. He wanted to hand it over to someone who would be faithful and would um, keep it moving forward. It was in great condition in the sense of financially and all these kind of things. And so he put a sign outside uh, on the window, help wanted or boy wanted. He, he, he wanted a young man to come and help him. And so a young man did come and he said, oh, great. Um, my job for you is to go up into the attic. He took him up there and there was this big trunk full of nails and screws, pieces of metal, plastic. It was just enormous. And he said, I want you to sort this trunk out. I want you to work through it and put it. And, and here's some boxes, and sort it all out. Can you do that? And the boy said, absolutely. And uh, he sat down, and from morning uh, till, you know, toward the evening, the boy worked through it, and sweating and hot, cutting his hands, cutting his fingers, and made a lot of progress. Um, he came down to the owner of the book store, and he said, I'm sorry, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. I can't come back tomorrow. And he said, oh, that's fine. 
what I want you to do before you go is go back up and just put everything back in the trunk because I'm going to have to get somebody else. So he went back up and put all the work he'd done, put it all back in the trunk, put the sign back in the window, help wanted, boy wanted. The next day or the next two days later, another boy came and said, oh, I'm eager to work and to he said, oh, good. Now, I want you to come with me upstairs to the attic. And he goes upstairs, smiling, excited. This trunk here is full of metal, nails, uh, every, I mean, you know, screws, everything. I need you to sort it out for me. Can you do that? Oh, yeah, no problem. All right. These are boxes that you can put all the stuff in, separate it all for me. Can you do that? He said, absolutely. And the same thing happened. But this guy didn't last as long. Maybe about 2 o'clock, he came down, hands cut, sweating, dirty. He's like, I just remembered, I, I can't work for you. Um, and he said, oh, that's fine. I want you, though, before you leave, go back upstairs and put all the stuff back in the trunk. So he did. He went up and the guy paid him the money and off he went. Put the sign back in the window again. Help wanted. Boy wanted. I'll come back to it later. Um, I promise. Sometimes we have a lot of trials that cut us and, and ruin us and frustrate us. and They seem impossible, right? Uh, they'll never end. Perhaps like that trunk. And we give up. We, uh, we get frustrated. We, whatever might happen. But here, David, at this point, with his inward struggle, with his feelings, he then moves to the second area and uh, he begins to concentrate in three and four on, on perhaps what's really plaguing him. Not how he feels, but what the issue really is. And it's his foes. And there is clearly an outward danger. Remember, David is in the wilderness and going from cave to cave, perhaps, going from place to place, always on the run for years. And in verse three and four, we see this um, Describe to us. I'm going to read that. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Um, those are the words there of uh, Yahweh Elohim. O Lord my God, covenant Lord, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, I've overcome him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Or I will fall. Oh Lord. He's crying out to the Lord. And he's very conscious of this outward danger. And very quickly again. Look and answer. Oh Lord my God. Light up my eyes. The NLT. I just really like this translation. Restore the sparkle to my eyes. You know, Help me see clearly. I wear contact lenses. So I wake up in the morning. And uh, can't see a thing. Um, really. And uh, it's always good to put those contact lenses in. I'm like, oh, oh, this is where we are. Um, you know, being able to see a little bit more, but to see with a smile. I'm sure you've been away at times. And, uh, you know, especially living here, you drive up um, to North Carolina, you begin to see the, the mountains and the hills and um, just getting out sometimes, looking out like, wow, beautiful. And that's the kind of picture here, enlightened. The New American Standard says, give me light. 
a cry of despair. His enemies and his foes, they are oppressing him. He seems to find no relief, no breakthrough, no rest, even from the Lord. And he says in verse 4, I am shaken. When I fall, when I am moved, downfall. These are the kind of words that are used in this section. Are very much concerned with what's around him, what is out there, what's about him. One of my favorite stories from Philip Keller, I'm sure you've heard of him. Uh, he's the man with the sheepdogs and uh, the shepherd. And one of his stories uh, I, I find very helpful regarding enemies. He said, um, having worked with sheep for a, a long, long time, and he, one of the stories he gives is being out in Texas. And um, again, he, he uh, was out with, the, uh, with a particular farmer, and uh, in this pen, were all the, it was night, and they had this fire going, and uh, they were just enjoying the evening. Each of this particular farmer's sheep had uh, um, kind of collars on with some bells, and uh, enjoying the evening, the sheep were just quiet, they were settled, and then suddenly in the distance, I'm not going to get you to do this, I normally get the students to do this, they heard some wolves or coyotes, Woo! And uh, suddenly all the sheep began to get restless. And you heard all the bells. Ding, 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 ding. And again, Philip Keller noted, he knew this already, but he noted all the sheep looked to the shepherd. They didn't look to the noise. And I know uh, Mr. Carroll would always say that sheep are the dumbest of animals. And I, I'm not denying that. But they're not that dumb um, sometimes. Maybe they're smarter than us. Because often we look to the enemy, right? We look to the fear. We get taken up with how big it is. A great example in the Word of God is David and Goliath. Saul and all the men were overwhelmed by the size and the power of Goliath, and they wouldn't fight him. David, though, had his eyes on the Lord and was able to go and fight Goliath and defeated him in the power of the Lord. So, again, the outward dangers are real. He has foes. But these sheep in that particular story give us a good illustration. Instead of looking to the fear or immediately you hear that you look to the wolves, they look to the shepherd because he would protect them. They looked immediately to him. And Philip Keller notes that with the fire going, he saw all the eyes of the sheep looking toward the shepherd. That's a good picture for us. Thirdly, um, the song really fills out here, and uh, again, Campbell Morgan would put it this way. It really takes off here. Um, it's an upward look, his faith. So let's read verses 5 and, and verses 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me, or he has been good to me, I have known his goodness. And again, in this particular um, couple of verses, just some quick observations here. The whole psalm turns, as I mentioned, on the word but. I looked up all the translations. They all have the word but. Sometimes I, I uh, say something like that, and, and no one else's Bible has that except for mine. I'm like, oh, that didn't work very well. But I looked them all up, um, and they all have the word but. As starting verse 5. If yours has something different, come see me afterwards and uh, we'll correct it. No, I'm just joking. Well, um, we see the transition from fear to faith. Uh, though difficulty is still there, his eyes are lifted up. The difficulty's not gone, 
but he's no longer looking outward so much, but he's looking upward. He's not unaware of the difficulty, but the Lord becomes more to him. Trusted in, the word secure or hold fast, the word steadfast love comes across well. I think in the ESV, other versions use mercy or loving kindness. It's the uh, Hebrew word has said, the strong, committed covenant love of God. I, I, I grew up in a, a broken home and uh, just had a great, some great challenges with trust and, and uh, um, you know, would uh, find that whole foundation collapsed in my life. Love? What is love? But when I met the Lord, I got saved at 23. Uh, the Lord began to transform my love and slowly, if you've ever read the um, lessons from a sheepdog, uh, we get the students, at least I get the students to read it. You see this dog slowly coming to trust the shepherd, slowly. And I could describe my life in a way, can I really trust you, Lord? And then, but to know this particular word throughout the Old Testament, this is a committed, steadfast, strong, unfailing love. Wow. And we can ask ourselves now, do you know the love of God? Do you know the love of God in the depths of your heart? My heart, we note here, is not just his feelings anymore. We know, again, the heart generally is made up of your emotions, your intellect, and your will. But here he says, my heart, it's the whole heart, not just the feelings and the emotions, as perhaps one and two were. But the whole heart uh, is, is uh, looking to the Lord. And then, um, verse 6, I will sing. Wow. It's good to sing, isn't it? The other night, as I mentioned, uh, we sang together as a staff and a student body. It was good to sing. A song of faith speaks of confidence. He's getting his heart up to the Lord. This is in the presence that David sings the Lord. Note verse 6. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord. The difficulty is still there. And it's going to be there tomorrow. And it's going to be there the next day. But I will sing to the Lord. So we look at that. We think of that. And then we can have some brief reflections, I guess. Uh, I just walk through the psalm and then, what I, you know, having heard what Don shared with us last night, very encouraging. Uh, it's a song of faith. It's a psalm. It's a song. It's a prayer. It's a song of faith from the very heart of David. It's a song of faith. Why is it of faith? Note the sentence here. It's of faith because deliverance is not yet realized. He hasn't been delivered from his problem or his circumstance or his situation or his foe. So by faith, he will sing to the Lord. It's a song of faith. But in verse 5 and 6, the manifest presence, as we heard last night, of the Lord is realized afresh. The Lord was always there, but afresh, closer, remembering. I asked Don if he was going to share from Isaiah 57, 15, um, he mentioned it in class. I'm like, go, go. and he mentioned it last night. I'm like, go, go, go. but he didn't. So I'm going to do it. Um, uh, but Isaiah 15, verse 5, um, let me just read it here. It says uh, that he inhabits eternity. 
whose name is Holy. No, Don preference this uh, yesterday uh, yesterday in the class. It says of the Lord, I will dwell in the high and holy place. The majesty, the greatness of God. That's where he dwells. But he also dwells somewhere else. And, And just the way it was put to us, it kind of really struck my heart. And also with him or you who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Isn't that amazing? And again, we're talking about dwelling, God's presence. We talked about it last night. Two places are described there. There's the high and lifted up place, and then with the lowly and the contrite. And I think in 5 and 6 of Psalm 13, David experiences some of that. David is knowing afresh the presence of the Lord to help him in his time of need today. And then that afternoon. And then tomorrow. Because the difficulty has not yet been dealt with. Or the deliverance has not yet been realized. Thus, it is a song of faith. Coming back to the story I was telling you about, another young man came and he said, I I would like to work. And he said, okay, come here, young man. Took him upstairs, showed him the trunk, and the guy's eyes were like, whoa. But he worked at it. And five o'clock came and he came downstairs and he said, I will be back tomorrow. And he said, good. His hands cut, dirty, sweating, <clears throat> gets hot in the attic, right? And uh, second day, came down, hands again, bloodied, working, working, great difficulty, effort, and so on. And he said, I'm nearly done, but I will be back tomorrow for the third day. And the owner of the bookstore said, okay, wonderful. He went upstairs and looked, and the young man was doing well. The third day, the young man worked, worked, and about four o'clock, he came running downstairs. He said, sir, 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 look what I found at the very bottom. It was a $20 note. He said, good, you can have that. That's yours. Sometimes we're not willing to go through the struggle to find the reward. We're not willing to get caught and and, uh, press on knowing that the great reward of faith is, as we heard last night, God himself. As the story would go, I don't know if it's a true story, but as the story would go, he said, this young man, I can give my business to. And I know that he will persevere. Some observations, just real quick, three observations in this psalm. The psalm teaches us that the place, this is, maybe one and two, to discuss our sorrows, our fears, our trials is in the presence of the king, right? It's in the presence of God. He's not afraid. I think of it often. He's not afraid, or, and I don't mean that he's scared, but he's not concerned of your questions, of my questions. I, uh, in my own experience, um, having been learning to walk with the Lord for three years, I had some questions, and I remember bringing them to the Lord finally. And I remember um, telling the Lord certain things and um, it was good. And the Lord, I, I just sensed, I didn't, I'm not seeing him, but I sensed, Lord, good, get those questions out. I will show you who I am. And he did. 
He's not concerned or afraid of our questions. But the psalm does teach us, I think, the place to discuss our sorrows, fears, trials. Sure, we need to share them with one another. Our burdens is in the presence of the king. We need to pray. And we can be truly honest. The Lord knows everything anyway, right? Secondly, God answers David, not by taking away the difficulty, but by bringing David deeper to himself. That's a tough lesson. That's an ongoing lesson. God does answer David by showing him more of himself. And thirdly, it's truly a song of faith because the deliverance, as we've said already, is not yet realized, but trust in God himself is strengthened. I will sing to the Lord. Oswald Chambers says this, Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. I thought that was striking. Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. He goes on to say, Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is loving. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. God is doing something far more than we realize and comprehend. And He is a good God. Alright, application. I think this is a Let me just check if it's it. It is it. <laughs> Three things. And then I want us to spend a little bit of time, if we can, turning one by one to pray together briefly. Do you, do I, bring our fears, our burdens, our trials, our struggles honestly to the Lord? For He does, as we've been hearing, encourages us to draw near to Him. Do I do that? Perhaps as David did in a complaining way, beginning, but do I bring them to the Lord? Do I keep bringing them to the Lord? Do I have that question? How long, Lord? How long? He doesn't answer that question. But he gives him a way better answer. He shows him himself. And I know that all of us know that. I'm not telling you anything new. But we need to have deeper reality of who God is. And that's what this conference in some senses is about. Where do we look and in who do we trust in when we are overcome? And often, things can get us down and things can overcome us. I know we have all different kinds of personalities and we respond to different challenges in different ways. But ultimately, when all the dust settles, who do we look to and who do we trust in And it's a trusting in when we have no answers or we are completely overcome. Thirdly, if he, this is a good question to ask yourself and to ask myself, if he, that is the Lord, doesn't take away the difficulty of trial, if he doesn't, if he leaves it um, with you, your circumstance, your hardship, is God enough? Is God himself enough? Day after day after day. And we were reminded last night. The great reward of faith is God himself. And 
I don't know all, and Don mentioned it last night, we don't know all of your troubles and struggles. And, and some of them can be completely overwhelming, almost unspeakable at times, perhaps. And perhaps the Lord doesn't ever take it away. But is He enough? Is He Himself enough? I believe that He is. I think David comes there. Um, I think David sees that. I will sing to the Lord, verse 5. But I have trusted, despite everything, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And perhaps here, the salvation speaks of knowing God in a deeper way. Christianity is knowing God, right? We, we know that. And so what I would like us to do in a moment is, and again, I know we don't know, all know each other and some of us know each other f- well, but turn to the person next to you and if you need to make it uh, a group of three, that's fine. I'd prefer it be easier because we don't have a, a long time and let's pray together. If it's something you don't want to share, you can um, say this great burden and you don't have to be descriptive if you want to um, share briefly with one another. And let's pray. But let's end our prayers with the Lord. And perhaps, Lord, even though I'm weary and heavy laden, I will sing unto the Lord. You must be enough. Maybe you don't experience that now. Maybe you don't know that. But we have to know at some point. We have to conclude, Lord, you are enough. All right, well, let's turn. I'm going to pray and um, get our our time together. Just turn to the next person and, and share just for a minute or two and pray together. Father, we commit this to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this Psalm 13 and uh, just all the wonderful truth, the great difficulty, um, no deliverance actually seen per se, but David finds you. And in a sense, you are his deliverance. You are his salvation. And it's enough today. Commit this time of prayer to you in Jesus' name.